episode 18 of Unleashed, Unchained and Unapologetic. And to give you a reminder about who we are and what we're here for, we are humble driven allies and leadership advocates who are obsessed with supporting leaders to stand up and step up so that the workplaces of today and tomorrow truly work for all. Everything we do supports you to lead and to shift the status quo forever by taking one human step in a smarter direction. It all starts and ends with you. Episode 18, Karen. Get us. Finally. It's not like we haven't had a little break or something, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. Yes. So a little bit of a break. Uh, yes, we we've decided we took a little bit of a break over the summer spread the episodes out and now we're back with a vengeance so what are we talking about today Al? today is a great subject actually why do leaders struggle and how to do it differently oh yes that old chestnut yeah it's a beaut so i'm going to start with a question for you Al. Mm. what do you think most people mean when they talk about leading <laughs> Having all the answers, um, leading from the front, giving direction, having to show that they know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, just just a very, I guess, a very sometimes a hierarchical role, being the one that knows everything, the one that has to drive everything and has to have all the answers, I guess. Have you seen any leaders that you've worked with do it differently? Oh, yes. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what looks different when you see a leader doing it differently. Uh, leaders who do it differently and do it well, actually, and actually, um, I would say promote, uh, bring people on the journey with them. I think they work hand in hand with their teams. They are, make the, they are allowed to be vulnerable. They show they're vulnerable, that they don't have all the answers. But what they do is they pull their teams together in alignment so together they can figure it out. And ultimately, um, the, the best leaders that I've worked with are extremely humble. Um, you would never know they were leaders. They are in there with their teams. They... Uh, they lead from the front when it counts, but they also allow others to lead in times when they are not. And they allow themselves to be vulnerable. I think they make themselves very human. So I, I love what you said there. And I think that um, there, are, there are two things I want to pick up on. The first one was you said alignment. And I think a lot of leaders struggle because they're desperate to get everybody on board. So if you think to those big meetings, you know, big afternoon meetings, I don't care whether it's a budget or a, you know, problem solving session, there's this drive for the leader to get everybody to agree. And it's even worse if you're part of the team as well, who's got to prove to everybody, you know, that you know, or your, or your analysis is going to lead everybody in a good direction. And I think the problem we have, or the, the thing I observe is that we're not really taught any other way to lead we're always taught it's sort of the captain mentality you know the captain of a football team the captain of any team at school it's like there's something about the best player gets to be captain and the best player mm -hmm. and as you get older and you come into contact with more professional sports people or more senior teams you realize it isn't always the best player that leads the team 
it's yeah. the person who can bring everybody together. And I remember when my son was playing North Yorkshire hockey and he played in defence. He was always, you know, he wasn't the person that scored all the goals, but he was the person that glued the team together when they weren't doing well. And so he ended up captaining a few times. And I can remember him being quite baffled as to why they'd chosen him. And I was just standing there watching him thinking, well, it's because you know how to bring people along. And I think the way I would describe it in the leadership model I use is we use the word enrollment. It's how do you enroll people in the vision of where you're taking them? And that has zero to do with the data. And yet, how many business meetings are data driven? How many times do we lean back into the data and the logic to try and convince people to go from A to B? And to your point, what you said was brilliantly, brilliantly was a really good leader moves people to A from A to B without them really noticing that that person's the leader. Mm. So I've got a fundamental lack of ego there. Totally. And, to, and we're going to talk about this in the next series because there will be another series. Um, what it is to be a really good leader. And I like to use the phrase a safe pair of hands. Mm. Safe pair of hands means you're confident that you know what you're doing and you're confident that it doesn't matter what you don't know either. The most powerful leaders are the ones who turn up in a meeting and say, and I know Elle's just got an award for this. Let's figure it out. We're just going to figure it out. We can figure it out. And if you think about it from a kind of just general logic point of view, that's what business is. It's all about figuring out how to get stuff done and not having all the answers all of the time. If we had all the answers all of the time, then what, what's the point? You know, work would be easy. Everybody would be happy. But we know it's not like that. Absolutely. And so many, so many different people bring different facets to the table, you know, someone might be brilliant at analysis, someone might be brilliant at creative, someone, none of them have all the answers, but together you can, you can figure those answers out together, you know, with the, the different perspectives that come from different, different views. But how, how many times have you been in a meeting where the person who's running the meeting is making all the decisions, is telling everybody what to do, and there really isn't any space for anyone else to contribute? A lot, actually. I've I've uh, been in a number of roles where that person is making all the decisions on their own, or maybe with a select few um, who aren't on the floor every day working with customers, who aren't on the floor every day working with their teams, but making decisions about what they think. And um, I think this is really really interesting because obviously I'm in marketing and I and I hear so many times I've been in situations where people say well I wouldn't do that because that's not what I'd do well it doesn't really matter what you'd do it's how do our customers what will our customers do yeah are What's you the target market nine times yeah. out of ten you're not the target market yeah. or oh I don't like that because I just don't like that color well how is that going to impact sales how is that going you know again it's about it's about I've seen it so many times where leaders have to make the decisions or need to be seen to be making the decisions based on what they think I think and it's got nothing to do with it. That's absolutely right. It's about needing to be seen as a leader. And where, I mean, all I, all I know from the work I do is that that transition from, you know, doing the work, being autonomous a little bit, being part of a team to leading a team is a really uncomfortable transition for most people. Mm -hmm. I don't think people know what to do. 
I don't think they do either. And, and, and I think the reason they don't know what to do is that there is no training that I've ever seen that really looks at how to practice doing this stuff. And in the absence of any training, my counsel to my clients is, well, what are your options? So if you're in a situation where you're struggling to lead a team, it's a really good thing to sit down and think about what all of your options are, not how am I going to prove myself to my team, not how do I need to get John over there to do what I want, which is a very common form of leadership, but to sit down and think about who on the team have you not heard from? Who needs to be invited in? What questions do you need to be asking the team to really understand where they're coming from? I had a client last week who was uh, talking about they're doing a big transition project and she had a, a team member who was in a really difficult position. There'd been a restructure and stuff. And this her ingoing thing was this person's going to be really difficult to deal with. I don't think I'm going to be able to get her on board. So the strategy was I'm just going to, ride through it and hope it all works out and you know if she gets on board great and she doesn't we'll just have to deal with the disaster as it happens and of course my counsel to her was well there is another way of doing it you could actually go and have a chat with her and find out what state she's right. in what she really thinks what's going on with her where she's happy with what's going on where she's got things to contribute what she's fearful of and this client who is a absolute rock star literally got in the car the next day and drove up and had a face-to-face -face coffee with this woman. And her opening sentence was, um, I don't think that we've got a very good working relationship. How do you feel about it? And the other person, the other woman said, yeah, no, we haven't. And right there in that moment was the start of a transformation of that relationship from being at odds and, you know, kind of just going along to actually we're going to cut through that and we're going to work together better. And nice. that for me is leadership from the front. It's when you actually take the time and invest your personal time in asking questions of people to understand where they are in time and space so that you can figure out how to move them from A to B. And It's the uncomfortable stuff, isn't it? It's that uncomfortable shit that nobody wants to deal with. That's right. And and she literally said to me before she did this, she said, oh, I prefer to avoid conflicts. And I said, so do you have a lot of conflict? She said, well, I do, but I tend to just try and like, you know, avoid them. And I said, but how Move do you... It over. Yeah, and, but that's what causes stress at work, right? Yeah. We keep going, there's conflict. We know people aren't on board. We know people aren't happy. We feel insecure. Put it under the carpet. Yeah, we fail to enroll them, but we're just going to drive through with our data and logic anyway. And the result is a really uncomfortable workplace and a really insecure leader, knowing that nothing's going particularly well, but not facing, facing up to it, not deciding to... to bite the bullet and have those tough conversations. And the thing is, those conversations aren't tough. We've got this mental wiring, it's gonna be hard. I'm gonna go and have this conversation, it's gonna be really hard. She came back from the conversation, she said, that was the easiest thing I've ever done. And it's completely changed our relationship. And just one conversation, a lot of people aren't prepared to invest that time. It's like, that's that's kind of too hard, the soft stuff. I'll just I'll just avoid it and I'll just stick to my, stick to my knitting. And the result is, uncomfortable workplaces workplaces where teams feel disempowered people don't feel heard people are scared to speak up because they've got a leader who's claiming they know everything and you don't want to take the leader on because god knows what would happen to you so you know 
It is a leader's job, in my opinion, to cut through all of that stuff and invite people into the solution space. Yes, they do have a responsibility for taking all of the bits of information, stitching them together into a so what and taking action. That is the responsibility of the leader. But how are they going to do that well if they don't have all the data? And trust me, this is not stuff that's stuck in a computer numbers wise. This is the data about how people are going to do the job. And I think that's really interesting because we always talk about, you know, data driven companies. What does it say in the the analysis and, and does this make sense? But like anything, there are so many sources of data, soft measures, hard measures, and you can't take any one in isolation without all the other facets as well. And I think it's so, so important. And um, it's a hard lesson to learn. You know, we've all been there. We've all been there. I think, you know, I've been in in my career in, in positions because you learn, oh God, I need to have all the answers. I need to be perfect. And it's so stressful. And it's, it's, so, it's so untrue. And it's so untrue. And, and, you know, I see it now, you know, when I go into other businesses and, you know, there's some 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 people have been promoted or have, have gone into leadership positions who feel that they have to have all the answers and actually will hide things for fear out of not being seen to be looking like they have all the answers. And what that's a, a stressful place to be. And that's a culture where there isn't a good culture of support for people in transitions. You see, let's be honest. The first time you get in a car and get behind the wheel, you don't know anything about how to drive a car. And it's really scary and uncomfortable. So what do you do? You have a lot of lessons, you, you learn it, you practice it. With, with leadership, it's almost like when you're tapped to step up, you're meant to know how to do it. <laughs> and somehow it, you've absorbed it by osmosis, by watching other people. But I think as we've explored many times, where do you look for good leaders that you want to role model? And it's very different watching someone else doing it than doing it yourself. I mean, you can imagine everybody driving a car looks very confident. You get in the car and, you know, having watched them them do it do, doesn't give you any clues you know about how to drive that car it's the same with leadership but we have this foolish notion that somehow the more work you do at a junior level the more senior you get the more capable you are of leading but it's a completely different skill set a bit like management right management and leadership completely different absolutely right absolutely right tell us what the difference is at well, management is about getting things done, management of projects, management of people, management. It's getting things done. Leadership is about, it's not transactional. It's not getting jobs done. It's I love getting from A to B. I love that word transactional. So transactional is the word I use when people are not treating people as people. They're treating them as objects to be moved around on a chessboard. And again, lots of leaders, and I've seen this happen, particularly in restructures, they'll get the org chart out and they'll be like, right, let's play chess with the people on this org chart. And there's, you know, one of the companies I'm working at the moment is doing a reorganization. And, you know, that's the exercise they started doing. And, and one of them was talking to me and, I sort of, and she, they sort of said, oh, you know, he's in this role, but we're going to bring somebody in above him. And, you know, that's probably going to annoy him because he's, he's, you know, he's not, he's, he's not up to that job. And we talked about what he loves doing in his job and he doesn't want to do that job. I mean, the things that he chooses to do are the things that he loves. Yeah. Right. And he's really good at, and yet they're sort of saying, well, he can't be the next level because he, he's not, you know, he hasn't done this, but well, he actually doesn't want to, nobody's asked him. I think that's really interesting. I know that um, there's been a number of positions I've been in. And I think one of the things that I always want to ask people is, what lights you up? 
Absolutely. Because you know, when, when people lit up, when they're doing what they love doing, everybody wins. And what you don't want to be doing is forcing somebody into a role that doesn't like them up, that they don't enjoy. You're better having a combination of people that enjoy doing that thing that that person's got a weakness in, but that strength of that person together, they're really strong. And, you know, what lights you up, what you're passionate about. If you can get people in roles that are passionate about what they're doing, you can move mountains. That's true. And the difficulty is when people want to move up the organisation, there is always going to be a transition to a skill set that they don't have. And again, I, I hate this notion of tapping the talent. Oh, you know, that person's a leader. That person isn't a leader. It makes me really annoyed because leadership skills are just like anything else on the planet. You can learn how to do this stuff. It's not rocket science, but there's no toolkit that, that organizations use that really cuts through the what it takes to lead piece. It isn't about, you know, you get to a, a, a senior a, a senior junior level you can crunch the data you can do the numbers you can maybe manage a project you can you can get results okay proving yourself you're a good team player all of that stuff then it's leadership totally different skill set where's the training that really embeds in practice how to do that well and it goes back to this thing of you know it is in my personal and humble opinion a lot of people skills yeah a lot of people skills and just promoting the people who have theoretically have people skills means you're missing a whole bunch of people who just haven't been given the tools, but would potentially be extraordinary. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, I think many, many businesses, you know, if I look at, if I look at throughout my career, how many businesses are missing a trick in terms of reaching their full potential because they just don't get it. Yeah, and I think, again, it's a bit like the difficult conversation. I think a lot of organisations put this in the too hard basket. It's like, well, I'd have to do a reorganisation. I'd have to look at myself. You know, it sounds terrifying. But the truth is, the more friction you've got in your organisation, the more value you're destroying every day. So as a senior leader, it's a choice. Am I going to actually bite the bullet and do something that's going to benefit the company at a fundamental grassroots level? Or am I going to just keep pushing people to deliver the results and hope for the best? Yeah. I tend to see people erring on the, on one side, not the other. Yeah, And I know, um, obviously, um, having worked with you for, for quite some time, Karen, I know that, you know, leadership, we always see leaders leading from the front. But there's other kind of leadership. And I know we're not going to go into detail today, but just tell me about other kinds of leadership. So, so yeah, leading from the front is the third type of leadership that I like to deal with. So I, I was trained and, you know, I work with five different types of leadership and they are... In order of importance, inner leader, which is how you relate to yourself. So in order to be a safe pair of hands for other people, you've actually got to know where you stand as a leader, what your value system is, where you're judgy and critical, all of those things. You've really got to get your closet cleaned out so you know where you stand. That's the inner leader. The second one, equally important in my opinion, but you have to get the first one right first, is co-leading, which mm. is every single relationship you have in a business from the CEO down to the person who cleans the office at night is a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. It's another human being who's got something to offer. And the Absolutely. question is, are you humble enough and smart enough to put yourself on the same level as that person and see what it is that they're bringing to the table? So co-leading for me is, it doesn't matter whether it's your marriage or your partnership or your business relationships, it doesn't matter your kids, if you can do a peer-to-peer -peer relationship where there's respect between the two of you, you have equal 
<clears throat> skin in the game. So equal care and equal responsibility, then you can't lose. You can't no. lose. Then leader. I have a little trick for that. I'm just going to tell you my little trick that I've done for a long years. And it's not, it's not, and it's really, it sounds really bad, but it's the same principle as, you know, when you meet a, a strange dog and I'm a dog lover. I love dogs. I can name all the breeds. I absolutely love them. But when you meet a dog for the first time, you always get down to their level. Yeah. Because it makes them feel comfortable. So what I've always done, and I, I'll know this will be some colleagues around me that'll be giggling at this is when I'm walking around the office and speaking to my colleagues, I often, if they're in the chair, I often get on my knees next to them to talk to them yeah. face to face. So I'm at their level. And it's a great tip for kids as well, right? Yeah. All people, Absolutely. you know, get down, have a conversation at eye level. It's, it's much more, get a bit of connection going there. So I think that that one's absolutely mission critical. And then after that, there's leader from front, leader from behind, leader from the front we've talked about. It's pointing in a direction and, bringing people along with you. Leader from behind is, and again, this requires zero ego and a really good sense of self, is to support all of the people who report to you and all the people you report to, to um, to be, to, to look good. So, you know, championing the people around you, sharing what they've done and how they've contributed to results is really important. When you're supporting the person who's leading you and we all sit around and white ant our bosses quite often think we can do a better job. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are familiar with that little piece, not that I haven't done it myself. Um, that piece there, supporting the leader, is, is about asking them what they need to look good yeah. and then supplying it. It's how can you make their life easier? And again, they win, you win, everybody wins. And the last type of leadership, which is what I tend to tend to think of as C-level leadership, but really anybody can do it, is looking across a business or across a system or across the whole thing, maybe at 30,000 feet if you're in a plane, and thinking about where it's working, where it's not, and what levers you can pull to improve it. So it's where can you take friction out of a complicated system and make things just work better. So those are five kinds of leadership. We've talked more today about leader in front. We will touch on the others further on down the track. But leader in front, we've started with this because that's what everybody thinks leadership is pretty much. Well, everybody's a bit of a generalization. Many people think that's what leadership is. And there's a phrase that you always use that I absolutely fundamentally love. And um, I don't think I've ever told you this before, actually. But it's the one where you say businesses at the end of the day are just made up of people. Mm -hmm. It's just about being human. It's yep. just about treating others as you'd like to be treated yourself, no matter what level, because nobody's better than anybody else. We just have different levels of accountability. Yep. And I think um, when you get that and you know you're not better and you're here to serve and to be of service to those above and below in your hierarchy, whatever that may be, I think um, everything shifts yep. because it's always about, well, how can I help? How can I help you? How can I help you? Whatever level you're at, how can I help you be your best self? And how can we build a team that's the best team it can be? I mean, I quite often see this in leadership teams where there's, you know, there's the CEO, most important person in the room, apparently, in some organizations. What a hard, can I just stop you there as well? What a hard bloody job. Because it's let's a be horrendous job. It's people talking about <laughs> and watch CEOs and call yeah. it out and CEOs this and the CEOs. Can I just say it's the hardest job in it the is. world? But I will also say that many CEOs don't make it easy for themselves because oh. um, what I quite often see is this, and it, it's just a magnified version of, of what you what you see when you first set up to lead, which is this feeling of 
visibility and vulnerability at the same time. Responsibility. Responsibility. Um, but the thing is that CEO has a whole leadership team to lean into. And, you know, I always uh, look at British politics in this situation. You, you can always tell when the, the prime minister is in trouble because their nearest and dearest, the people who ought to be closest to them, immediately resign so they can make a run for being prime minister. If you watch really carefully, you'll see a few weeks out, leaders in trouble, everybody backs off, everybody, people start start resigning and they're just flagging, I'm going to take your job. And I just sometimes think, you know, that is one of the things that is, it's one of the peak teams we have in the country and it's one of the things that's deeply wrong with it, you know? I'm a great believer as well. If your reason for wanting to be that higher job is for status, is for money, yeah, it's for all those things... I often, and I, I, I just, I, I question whether you're right for that job because at the end of the day, the biggest value about being in that person is to make a difference, is to make life better for people and to take, make the business better by pulling people together. Yeah. To and the serve the shareholders and serve the people around. Absolutely. Yeah. But I guess and that the thing, is when, the thing is, when you do that well, everything works. You know, like I say, some of the best CEOs I've worked with are the ones who are, you know, ties loosened in the end of a Friday night drunk with the team because there's no boundary between them. They're quite happy to safety. sit down and talk about it. Exactly. So anyway, mm -hmm. we've hit on CEOs now. So what questions are we going to leave people with today, Al? Yeah, so I think I think the question that I, um, that, well, that we really, because we've already discussed this, but it's, it's all about why, you know, I think... God, I've just missed my notes. So there you go. There's me being human. Oh, wrong page. I shall start again. How comfortable do you feel leading from the front? What do you think trips you up? And what is the one thing you're going to practice doing differently to see if it works? Yeah. And to that last point, the art of becoming a good leader is being comfortable with a little bit of discomfort. Because assuming you don't come in with a fully baked skill set as a leader, you're going to have to try some different stuff. And you won't like it because when we get into our discomfort zone, we tend to want to stick our heads in the sand and do what we think is easy, which, as we all know, never ends up well. <laughs> easy just sometimes doesn't get you where you need to go. And that's part of leadership. It's doing the hard stuff and being courageous. So, and on that note, take your courage and go forth. <laughs> love it and on that note listen thanks ever so much for great advice as always karen great discussion i hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast today please if you do like this tell your friends subscribe drop us a line um if anybody's got any questions please dm us um you know where to find us and um, in the meantime we we'll look forward to seeing you next week indeed <laughs>